Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 302 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and The Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now around the world. Please make sure that you're subscribed and you click that little notification bell, and that way you never miss a live video. But just in case you do, you can check out the audio pod on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner, and you'll find me there. Uh, likes, reviews, ratings, all that good stuff helps me out. Guys, we do the show here on the Ring Digital YouTube channel without ads, okay? We do it without ads to bring you value because who the hell wants 10 minutes of ads up front in the beginning of a podcast? You think if your favorite podcast out there, the first 10 to 15 minutes are a bunch of freaking ads. We don't do that here so that we can provide value to you and not annoy the shit out of you in the beginning and throughout the show, right? So all I ask is that you spread the word, all right? This is a show that has grown through word of mouth with diehard fight fans and casual fight fans alike. So just spread the word, all right? And if you want to help out and uh, support the show, the best way to do that beyond spreading the word is check out MonteroOnboxing.com. That is my personal website. You can go there. You can order Montero Unboxing tees. And um, you can also contribute to the show if you want to tip us a dollar. You can go there and tip us a dollar. It doesn't matter, all right? You can do PayPal, Venmo, Zelle. It's all right there on the show or on the on the uh, website, all right? MonteroOnboxing.com. I did that to try to take it off of these big global uh, corporate you know, entities that take a portion of the money and use the money for all sorts of evil stuff behind the scenes that has nothing to do with boxing. This way, if you want to support the show, you can go directly to my site. All right, let's get right into this, man. Um, by the way, I hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the, the big fight over in Manchester. Um, actually, let me let me show a poll real quick that I was uh, I just posted this morning. I wanted to see what you guys thought. So only a few hundred uh, people have voted so far. But I asked you guys, and of course, this is more for the UK audience. But of course, uh, everybody can, can get involved. But I just asked, you know, did the Con Brook fight live up to your expectations or not? And so far, uh, about three quarters of you, of you out there has said it met or exceeded your expectations. 56% of you said it met them. Uh, about 17% exceeded, 27% of you say it fell short of expectations. So, of course, we'll break that all down. By the way, I was really wrong in my prediction. That, you know, look, I, I I went with Amir Khan. I just, uh, that was one of those picks where I really didn't put any science in it. I just had a feeling and I went with it. However, after the weigh-in, yeah, I really thought about changing my pick. Um, although Brooke looked drained. He did look kind of drained at the way in, but he also looked really, really strong compared to Khan. And Khan looked overtrained. His body didn't look right. He kind of looked like a 50-year-old man. He looked like a 50-year-old man that's been taking um, HGH, you know, like, like testosterone supplements and uh, like injections at his doctor's office and getting back in the gym. That's just kind of the body he had. Uh, it did not look like a guy in his mid-30s. Really, really didn't. So um, it, it just, we'll talk about that more in a minute. All right. So I want to share that poll with you guys. Uh, get it on the chat. Make sure you got the thumbs up going. Don't jump on the phones just yet, guys, because you know that I got to give my spiel for a while. All right. We'll take phone calls after news and notes, review, preview. All right. Like we always do. 
Okay, let's get right into this then. News and or notes. Uh, so first, a little bit of a buzzkill, man, especially for PBC, uh, whose schedule, you know, look, the whole boxing schedule in general hasn't been very good. But this was one fight that we were all looking to in, uh, looking forward to in March. Uh, March 19th, it was supposed to be Brian Castaño and Jamel Charlo, their rematch. The first fight was very, very good. Ended in a controversial draw. A lot of people thought Castaño pulled it out. Some people were good with the draw. But uh, and either way, everyone was looking forward to this rematch. And this is going to be on regular showtime, no pay-per-view nonsense. But apparently he suffered a biceps tear in training. And so that fight has been postponed. Probably going to happen in May or June. I'd lean toward June. So uh, th this hurts. This hurts because this was one, again, that was on the schedule we were all looking forward to that was not pay-per-view. And in terms of non-pay-per-view, it was certainly the best fight PBC has had probably since the first Charlo Castaño fight that was non-pay-per-view, uh, maybe the best one so far of the year that was going to be on the schedule, right? Certainly one of the top fights that was on the schedule uh, this year. So, uh, yeah, that's a buzzkill. So that gets pushed back from quarter one to probably late quarter two at the earliest, all right? And also, at the time of this recording, uh, Dillian White apparently has not signed the contract to fight Tyson Fury. So without getting into all the details and the back and forth, because honestly, that shit drives me nuts sometimes, uh, and there's been too much of it going on lately with too many boxers. Apparently, Dillian White has until midnight tonight to sign the deal for the Tyson Fury fight, which is a damn good fight. It would be Tyson Fury's third best opponent, no less than his third best opponent. Um, so may maybe his second best opponent, depending on how it all plays out, okay? Um, because I, I don't know where to rate Wilder versus Dillian White at this point, because it's, it's hard to compare the two of them because Wilder's resume is so poor outside of the Tyson Fury fights. And White has been so unbelievably inconsistent with his performances. So it is really kind of hard to tell how to rate those two. Anyway, on paper, this would be Fury's third best opponent. And obviously, this would be Dillian White's best opponent. Uh, so so very, really interesting fight between two top five heavyweights, probably. So Dillian White, if he doesn't sign this contract, and you know what? I ain't feeling sorry for this guy. Look, he's got... He's, he's got a history. He's got a past. We, we could talk about the performance-enhancing drugs, but so does Tyson Fury. That's why I'm not beating up Dillian White over that right now because Fury has a, a past with uh, PEDs. And actually, his was worse. Fury, I, what, what Fury actually had in his system was worse than what White supposedly had in his system a couple times. Uh, but either way, um, and I think White was cleared in one of those instances, whatever. I'm just saying both of these guys have a past. But with Fury, he finally backed it up a little bit with when he fought Klitschko. Um, and again, yeah, there's a little cloud over that performance because he was on stairs. There was stuff going on at the time. But against Wilder, really, he, he cleaned Wilder's clock three times, retired Wilder. And, you know, that right there puts him at the top of the heap at heavyweight right now. So uh, questions have been answered about Fury. For White, this is all on him. Now, he might be bitching about money. He might want a little bit more cash or whatever it is. Listen, man, sign the damn contract and do your thing. Because if you don't, this is 100% on you. I can't feel bad for you. Fury and his team play games. Yes, yes, we could get into all that. Just sign the damn fight and get in there and prove yourself. And then if you perform well, hell, if you shock the world and win, 
the world's your oyster, right? So if he doesn't sign this one, it's 100% on him. Can't feel bad for him. And I've stuck up for White when other people haven't. That will, that will end if he doesn't sign this contract, okay? All right, let's get into the fight review, guys. Um, <clears throat> Gramazian in the chat says, Mike the Wilder hater. I'm not a Deontay Wilder hater. I am just a Deontay Wilder truth teller. And there's very few of them in the American media. He's become one of those figures you can't tell the truth about. Uh, Deontay Wilder, for, for what he is, got every ounce out of his abilities and really was an overachiever in a lot of ways. Uh, a very stubborn man who could have improved by leaps and bounds had he listened to the good people around him. Wilder's issue is he bought into his own hype a bit too much and it cost him. And there was potential. The guy that beat Berman Stavern the first time, you take that and how he won that fight, you build upon that skill level he had then, you combine that with the tremendous heart and will Deontay Wilder has. He has a tremendous heart, tremendous will, and a pretty damn good engine. He, he has good stamina for a heavyweight. You take all that and build upon the skill, that dude could have been a lot more than he was, okay? But that's on him. And all I'm doing is telling the truth about it. <clears throat> Leaving all the outside the ring stuff out of this. I'm just keeping it to what's inside the ring. All right. All right. Review time. Saturday, February 19th. Uh, in Ekaterinburg, Russia, Zaur Ab Abdelayev scores the best win of his career with a TKO 12 win over Jorge Linares, who has now lost four of his last seven. Uh, interesting fact about Jorge Linares that I hadn't thought about. I kind of knew this, but I just hadn't heard it put this way. I was listening to the boxing rant today with, uh, with my boys, uh, Kenny and Vince. And uh, Vince brought up the fact that Jorge Linares has now lost seven times. Six of those losses were by stoppage. Only one, that, only one time that he has lost has he gone the distance. Do you know who he went the distance against in a losing fight? Devin Haney. Interesting, huh? Devin Haney, the guy who's supposedly being ducked by the entire planet Earth. He is the one guy that let Jorge Linares go the distance. Uh, he beat him. I remember, Lenares buzzed him late in that fight, and Lenares lasted the distance. Even Zaur Abdelayev stopped him and others, uh, others who are a lot smaller uh, than, than Devin Haney. So I found that interesting, that the one guy that went the distance with Lenares uh, that beat him was Devin Haney, supposedly this, this killer who's being avoided by all. What other crack of shit that whole thing is. Anyway, Abdelayev wins this fight. This was a WBC lightweight eliminator, so the plot thickens at uh, 135 and uh, that the waters continue to get more and more muddied there although this summer we will have a big big fight in that division all right also in tijuana mexico uh, jaime munguia proves the 39-0 tko3 win over demetrius ballard or suffered his first loss and you see ballard's level here in this fight right you saw where he was in terms of his level uh, munguia pretty much uh, run ran him over uh knocked knocked him down the third round stopped him this was uh, broadcast on the zone. A lot was made of Jaime Munguia looking really, really drained at the weigh-in, looking really, really bad at the weigh-in. Uh, however, people that know Jaime Munguia and also know a lot of Zanford boxers, if I'm being honest, Zanford promotions fighters, this is pretty common. This is what they do to their fighters. And there is a lot of this going on in Mexico with Mexican fighters in general. I do think this will cost Jaime Munguia. It's probably already cost him to a certain extent. He should have been at 160 much earlier than he was. And I think he's a 160 fighter. He's a big, strong 160, but he is a 160 fighter. 
but he probably doesn't live as well as he should between fights. It makes the weight cut uh, maybe not the best way, the most efficient way. And um, that's why he looks like that in the weigh-in. But he rehydrated very, very well. Who knows what was going on there? I'm just saying. But he rehydrated very, very well. Looked really good and fresh in this fight. So take that for what it is. Uh, but at some point, that is going to cost the young man. I mean, you cannot continue to drain your body like that and throw some substances in there to beef back up. Uh, that's going to take that's going to take a toll, and it will at some point with him. Anyway, he marches on, and he really, really wants to enter the Golovkin sweepstakes, but he's probably going to be left out of that because Triple G is very, very likely going to fight uh, Rio de Morada this fall, probably in late April. And then later in the year, in September, he's probably going to fight Canelo Alvarez. So Jaime Mugia is going to have to go in a different direction. It remains to be seen what direction that will be. All right, but the big one was over in Manchester Arena, over in Manchester Ultimate Boxer Promotions. This was on Skybox Office pay-per-view over there in the UK. And here in the United States, it was on ESPN+. Plus. Not the best production for ESPN+. Plus. There were a lot of, first of all, this undercard was stir-fried dog shit, okay, if we're being honest. Uh, man, this was, I turned it off. I watched a little bit of some of the fights, and I was like, man, fuck this. I just turned it off. I had other stuff going on. But there were complete just portions of the undercard and stuff where there was just this wide shot on the ESPN Plus broadcast of the ring. It, it wasn't even like a live shot. It, it looked like a photo or something. And uh, you just heard announcers talking. You heard commentators talking, but you didn't see them. That, that's at least what showed up in my feed. If you guys saw something different, let me know. But uh, it was a tough broadcast to watch. This one, let's be honest, it was all about the main event. So let's talk about it. Kel Brook scores a TKO6 win over Amir Khan. There were no knockdowns, but Khan was rocked several times. And it looked like it would just be a matter of time. In fact, it was surprising that Khan didn't go down. And to me, that was very, very telling. I, I think that some people are reading a little too much into this performance from Kel Brook. More about that in a minute. But uh, Victor Laughlin, the referee, stops it in the sixth round. Brooke gets the TKO six win. So um, Brooke, look, Brooke looked a little bit drained at the weigh-in, but boy, did he look stronger. His musculature, body fat, um, skin, all of it looked much, much better. He was sucking down water right after he got off the scale and everything, but he rehydrated just fine. Eyes look good. And the second these two got in the ring and the bell rang and, and like Khan had his little, his little flash early on in the first round, but there was nothing behind those punches. And it was so evident right away that uh, Kell Brook was just physically stronger and way more sturdy. We just, just had more balance. Um, his legs were with him more. I'm, I'm talking before the first punches even landed. Okay. He just looked stronger. In the clinch, he was pushing Khan where he wanted him. He could move him where he wanted him. Nothing Khan did bothered Kell Brook. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this is evidence that if they fought in their prime 10 years ago, this means that Brook would absolutely mop the floor with Khan. I'm not 100% sure about that. I'm not, okay? Because it's so evident that, yes, Brook is past his best. And I still think he's compromised from that Golovkin beating. It changed him as a fighter, as a human being. It changed him, okay? But he is way closer to his physical best than Amir Khan. 
Amir Khan was absolutely shot to shit. Now, 2020 hindsight, of course, I've been told by several people that were around and saw some things and heard some things that Khan overtrained, that he overdid it in camp. I don't know about any of that, okay? I could just tell you this. It looked like a guy who had been out of the ring for, for a while um, and put in a really, really good camp to get his weight down, but the body fat percentage didn't get as low as it used to be. He didn't look nearly as ripped, um, just, just as strong and sturdy as he once was. And Khan's never been the sturdiest guy. He's someone who got by on, on speed, right? But, um, man, there, there used to be some explosiveness there. That was just completely gone. So if it, either one of these guys is shot to shit, it's obviously Khan, and he needs to retire like yesterday, okay? He should not take another punch in his life. He is clearly, clearly going to suffer damage later on in his life from what's happened to him in the ring. Just did, Guys, keep in mind, he is the same age as Kell Brook. Now, he's had more fights, if you include the amateur records and all that, and he started his – this is another thing people seem to be forgetting – Khan started at 135. So he went up in weight and he fought the current undisputed super middleweight champion in Canelo Alvarez, who's a short guy, but very stocky. And, and Canelo has fared very well in a very weak super middleweight division, but still Canelo's the champion there. And um, for, for Khan, a lightweight who started at lightweight to fight the guy who's currently the undisputed super middleweight champion, that says a lot. A lot is said about Brooke fighting Gennady Golovkin. And, and yes, it should be noted. He stepped up and he took that fight and it's, he balls to the wall. I get it. Deserves credit. But he did take a life and career changing beating in that fight. I don't quite know if it was the same as what happened to Amir Khan, though, because Amir Khan is a guy that got knocked out at lightweight. He got knocked out at 140. He got knocked out, I think, at 147. And then he went up to Canelo weight and got knocked out. So, so uh, if you're a guy who's getting knocked out at 35 and then you're at 55, fighting a guy who's a natural super middleweight who melted down to Canelo weight uh, unnaturally for years, uh, was bending the rules a little bit to do that, uh, that that's probably going to take a lot out of you. And then um, neither of these guys have, have had Spartan lifestyles outside the ring. But I talked a little bit last week about recent activity over the last year or two. Brooke has been a little bit more active, and I think that served him well. But either way, you could just tell. I, Brooke is just fresher, stronger, and more sturdy. It was evident from the, get, the get-go. Uh, Brooke landed 79 of 224 punches for 35%. Khan landed 34 of 151 for 23%. That's interesting to me that Brooke threw in just six rounds, like 70-plus more punches and landed more than double the amount of punches. The jabs were even. Both guys landed the same amount of jabs, but it was the power punching, man. Brooke landed 64 power punches to just 19 for uh, for Khan. It was more accurate with the power punching and landed more body punches. So he just, in that category, he just outpowered Amir Khan. Uh, also, um, well, let's look at these two careers. Well, wait a second. Before I do that, I, you know, a lot of people are talking now uh, instantly after this fight, five minutes later, man, Brooke needs to fight this guy. Brooke should fight that guy. Slow down. Okay. Kell Brook looked really good against a completely shot fighter who I, I, uh, I think anybody in the top 10 from 140 to 147 
would brutally knock out Amir Khan right now. If we're being honest, I'm including 140. There are lightweights. Gervonta Davis would absolutely sleep Amir Khan right now. Okay. So, so if we're being honest, all right, that, that's his level right now. And that's no disrespect, but that's just where the guy is. So people talking about Kell Brook fighting, you know, uh, one a rematch with Errol Spence. I saw tweets like this. Or how about Terrence Crawford has no one to fight? Maybe he should go over to the UK and, and fight Kell Brook. It's just stuff like that. Like, guys, slow the fuck down. Like, for real. He's not that guy. And I do think it says something that, you know, Khan, a guy, again, who was knocked out at 135 by British Prescott. He was knocked out at 140, I want to say, by uh, Danny Garcia. He's been slept several times, right? Brooke, could it, Brooke, every punch practically landed and flush, and it rocked Khan several times, and it shook him, and he, his legs wobbled. Couldn't drop him. Didn't drop him once, okay? So if, if Brooke gets in there against any top 10 welterweight, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. So I think some of you need to pump the brakes on that. I really think both of these guys should walk away. I truly, truly do. For Brooke, this was the, it wasn't the best one of his career. That was Sean Porter back in 2014. But this was the biggest, most highest profile win of his career. The most satisfying win. So he can walk out right now on a high note. The thing is for him, the Sean Porter win in 14, and then the uh, Con win in 2022, there wasn't a whole lot in between. There were two dominant losses. Uh, to I mean, he absolutely got just bludgeoned by Golovkin. He was beating Errol Spence in the first five, six rounds of that fight until he got beat down and, and, and capitulated late. Um, but all things you know, being he lost a few there, didn't really beat anybody of note. So those two wins, okay, he's got that. He's got the highlight of his career. He can, he can walk off into the sunset now. But I want to talk about Amir Khan real quick because he, he's one of these guys that gets, I think, disrespected and like really underrated and underappreciated by a lot of American fight fans. And I think what he has done for the UK boxing scene in the last 20 years is pretty substantial because UK boxing is really healthy right now. And there are several reasons why. But Amir Khan is one of those reasons. He has played a, a part in this. Here's something I think a lot of you don't understand or just realize. You know, Of course, you know Khan had a very good amateur career. 2004 Olympics, um, he was the, uh, as a lightweight, he was a silver medalist. But he had had gold at several uh, tournaments before that. Uh, I think in the World Junior Championships in 2004, he, he had gold there. I think the Junior Olympic Games in 2003, he had gold. But, you know, for a guy who was 17, 18 years old, right around that time, he was very popular, man. His Olympic fights, uh, I just read this today, drew an audience of nearly 8 million viewers on BBC. Now, 8 million viewers, people in the United States hear that. And they're like, yeah, that's a great rating. But there's, you know, 330 some odd million people here. Think about the UK. Like, like BBC is, is in a lot of places, but 8 million viewers on BBC, that's a big deal. His, uh, his final Olympic match had 8 million viewers. He had a rematch with a guy who beat him in the 2005 Olympics or 2004 Olympics. He had a rematch with him in 2005. That drew over 6 million viewers on ITV. So this guy was getting major, major views before he even went pro. So he, had a, he played a big, big role 
and helping bolster that UK boxing scene that has exploded in the last 20 years. Of course, he's not the only guy. He's one of several, but I do think he deserves credit. Did he make missteps in his career? Yes. Was he an annoying ass at times? Yes. Did he come off as entitled and aloof and maybe delusional at times? Of course. Maybe, maybe perhaps he could have stayed over in the UK a little bit longer before he wanted to come to America and conquer here. Yes, there are several things we can point to. And I understand why a lot of American fans could get annoyed by Khan, even British fans, at some of his antics. But looking back at his career, man, at 35, you know, he beat an ancient Marco Antonio Barrera. Okay, that's fine. But I really think his best work was at 140. He beat a still very, very good Pauli Malignaggi, Marcos Maidana, Zab Judah, all still serviceable. Those are three really good wins when you look at what uh, Pauli was an overachiever in his career, what he accomplished. But Zab Judah, very good fighter. Marcos Maidana, what he went on to accomplish later on, that's that's pretty substantial, man. And then at 147, he beats Colazzo. He beats uh, Devin Alexander. And Chris Algieri, pretty decent fighter. But those are decent wins, man. So none of those wins are great. You know, I don't I don't think Khan makes the Hall of Fame. I saw some people tweeting about that. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame level guy. Um, that can be debated. But for me, he falls just short of that. But he had a pretty damn good career. And so he can walk away into the sunset now. Nothing left to prove. But no one in this man's camp, you know, and I get it. He's had 8,000 trainers. But seriously, anybody in Amir Khan's posse, and he has a huge one, everybody there should tell him, dude, no more. You're done. If there's anybody around him that says, yeah, man, one more. Go one more time, champ. Like, you're, you're a bad friend. You're a bad person. He needs to never take another punch again. For Kel Brook, he's sort of these what-if guys. He's one of these one-if guys because if he doesn't take that Gennady Golovkin fight, all right, um, and he got a career-high payday, and, and everybody respects the hell out of him for doing that because 99.9% .9 of fighters wouldn't have done it. But how much did that change his career? I, I will never really know because he, he literally went up, did that fight, came off of the surgery and everything, dropped back down 13 pounds and fought Spence and then got injured again, right? And that, that eye injury came back to haunt him in some later fights when he stepped up and fought the elite. So um, it, it's difficult to know. It's really difficult to know what may have been different. I will say this, Brooke was an avoided fighter. People, a lot of the American fight after that Sean Porter fight, none of the PBC welterweights were looking at that dude and wanting to fight him. He was always going to struggle to find fights. Perhaps the best fight that could have been made in his prime, um, had he not fought Triple G, was eventually a fight between him and Terrence Crawford. Both of those guys in their prime, un, uh, undefeated, that would have been a very interesting fight. But we'll never know. So he's just going to be one of those what-if guys. And we'll never truly know. Um, but, you know, I give the man credit. I really, really do. All right, uh, let's go to some of these super chats. I saw we got a few of them here. So let's drop down and find these. All right, we got a super chat from Deed, and he just posted a, a chat. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate it, man. Hope you're enjoying the show. My man, Torian Falk, with the super chat. Thank you so much, bro. He says, uh, if Lenares decided to retire, does he have a Hall of Fame case? In my book, anyone who is a three-time champion and lineal, champ, lineal champion has a worthy cause. Jorge Linares is an interesting case. I would have to really, really look at his career. Up front, dude, I would say no, but he you're right. I mean, 
He's not just a three division or a three time world title holder. I'd have to look at who he beat to get those 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 titles. And then he was a lineal champ, legitimately at 135. So I think that's important too. Um, I, I'll check it out. That would be one I'd have to think about because to me, Jorge Linares, uh, Amir Khan, guys like that to me just fall just short. But on a weak year uh, where you got to pick at least three guys, he they might fall in there. They might. We have to see. Certainly an influential fighter that, look, you, got, you need Jorge Linares. You need Amir Khan. You need Kel Brook. It's just like I talk about Sean Porter. You need Sean Porter. You need these kind of guys. That Sullivan Barrera is one who comes to mind, although he's not as good as those other fighters I mentioned. But um, guys that are willing to fight everybody. You need those fighters. And they're going to lose because they're stepping up and fighting the elite. And they're not elite fighters themselves, so they will lose. But if you don't have those fighters who are willing to fight the best out there, uh, you're never going to get any damn fights. you know. So um, I respect the hell out of guys like Lenares, Khan, uh, Sean Porter, those kinds of fighters that fall short of Hall of Fame credentials, in my opinion, but are willing to fight everybody. Miguel Cotto was another one who was willing to fight everybody, but I thought he was a level above Porter, Khan, Lenares. He was just a little better than those guys with his amateur accomplishments and legitimate world titles in a few different divisions. When he stepped up to fight Sergio Martinez, when other people were avoiding that fight, uh, that really worked out well for him. Uh, so I, to me, that's why you know I thought Cotto should get in. But uh, some of these other guys eh, fall just short. For me, at least on first consideration. Sam A with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He said, I didn't kind of avoid some punches in the past. Every punch Brooke threw landed. What happened to the defense? First jab he got hit with hurt him. You're right, dude. And that's why I say he's completely shot the shit. Because at one point, look, man, the first few rounds against Canelo, he avoided shots from Canelo, right? And several of his fights we can point to. Pretty much every one of his losses, except for the first one against Bredis Prescott that I can think of, he was winning early on and then eventually got caught. He would get, he would just get lazy. He just had these weird lapses of defense in, in the ring. But um, you're right, dude. That first jab in the first round, it was like, whoa. It reminded me of when I want to say the end of the first round in the Fury Wilder rematch, Fury landed a jab that knocked Wilder back like eight feet. At the end of that first round, it was like, holy shit. You saw right then and there, this was different. And that's what we saw in this fight. It, it was very reminiscent of that uh, to me, where you just saw one guy was so much stronger and more sturdy uh, and, and had so much more behind his punches that it was evident right away who was in control of that fight. Same thing here. Um, but yeah, man, there was just no head movement. His legs looked completely gone. And again, what's amazing to me is he took a lot of punches. I want to say it was the fifth round where he took an absolute beating. That was nearly a 10-8 round and Brooke couldn't drop him. So again, to me, that's very, very evident that the, the people calling for Brooke to fight some of these young welterweights right now, pump the brakes on that shit because that's going to get real ugly. Because once again, there are lightweights out there who would sleep Amir Khan right now. There may be even junior lightweights that would knock him out. So if we're being real, so that's just, uh, let's keep things in perspective, people. <clears throat> let's see what else. Uh, 
Oh, we got another super chat. All right. J&M, thank you so much, man. He said, uh, hi, Mike. Should Russia invade Ukraine? <laughs> well, the Alexander Usyk versus AJ rematch still happen. Ugh, I'm pretty certain Alexander Usyk still lives in trains in Ukraine. Yeah, he spends most of his time over there. Uh, so does Vasily Lomachenko. I do know that Lomachenko is going to move to Australia uh, for the for the Cambosos fight. Fuck it. Spoiler alert, guys. Uh, you know, but that that's the fight that's going to happen. He's going to move over there to Australia for that one. Uh, to train, I would imagine at some point Usyk is going to move too. I mean, th this is their livelihood, and these guys are pros right now. They're making their money. I see Usyk leaving Ukraine soon to begin training for his fight with Joshua. I truly, truly believe that. <clears throat> All right, so that is it with the review. Let's get into this preview. I, because we got much to discuss there, and then we'll do some phone calls. All right. Um, Saturday, February 26th, Guillermo Rigondeau, Rigondeau, or Rigondeau, however the hell you're supposed to say, is fighting in Dubai. Just thought I'd throw it out there. He's fighting on a promotion, um, a promoter that just started promoting over there in Dubai last year that I've never heard of. That's what Guillermo Rigondeau is doing. He's fighting an opponent I've never heard of. And uh, BoxRec has it as either one or two stars. I can't even remember. But they have five star. It goes up to five stars. They have this matchup as a one or two star matchup. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's what Guillermo Riccadillo is doing. Um, you know, look, another guy that a lot of people want to feel sorry for. Yeah, he kind of put this upon himself, if we're being honest. All right. So let's jump to the big one. The SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, this will be broadcast on ESPN Plus here in the States. I hope that um, the broadcast is better this week. It just, it just wasn't the best... Was the most seamless broadcast uh, last last weekend? Anyway, Josh Taylor defending his undisputed light or uh, junior welterweight championship against Jack Catterall. This is a battle of southpaws. And um, here's the thing about Taylor: you know, since winning the World Boxing Super Series finale against Regis Progre in late 2019, he fought once in 2020, once in 2021. Now he's had some bad luck. There have been things that have happened outside the ring that have affected him and all of us. There was a global pandemic and all. I, I, I get it. But man, you know, coming off such a, a great, great win against Progre, uh, it's just been slow. The one thing I will say is his one fight in 2021 was a pretty damn important one where he fought Ramirez, came to the States for that fight and won it. Um, so he deserves tremendous credit. But him fighting in February this year. Now, this is a mandatory for him. I really hope it means that he fights three times this year. He needs to get back out there and fight, man. You know, we think of Taylor as this young guy. He's not. He's in his 30s. You know, for a fighter, um, that that's, you know, it's not old, but it's right in those prime years. He's right in his prime years right now. You're the undisputed 140-pound champion of the world. Get in there and fight three times this year. What I'd love to see, now we don't know, you know, is this possible? I don't know. But if he stays at 140, he's got his mandatory defense here against Catterall. Should he win, and he should win this fight, but it will be a challenge. He's going to be tested by Catterall, mark my words. He should fight again, Taylor should, this summer against a mid-level, stay-busy opponent, you know. And then, you know, maybe you come to Vegas or something to do a fight here or whatever and kind of get back in front of the American fans. Or maybe you stay over there in the UK. Really, you're the champ. You do what you want to do. But, man, by the end of this year, that third fight, 
I want it to be against the top-level opponent, whether it's a rematch with Progray, whether he moves up to 47 and fights somebody, whether um, one of the guys at 35 moves up to fight him, somebody. I want to see him in there against another top name. I want to see Taylor fight three times in 2022. All right, so um, Taylor is 18-0. Catterall is 26-0. Taylor is 5'10". Catterall is more of your standard 140s, 5'7". So there is a height difference here. But Catterall is a uh, kind of nasty little dude who will get in on the inside with you and is going to come right to Taylor and push the action here. So this is going to be fun, man. His best wins, Catterall's, are against Tyrone McKenna and O'Hara Davies. So I brought these two names up for a reason. With, uh, with McKenna, he's fighting Regis Prograde next month. So we're going to really get us – we'll be able to assess his level as a fighter better in about a month. Is that McKenna win a really, really good win for Catterall, or is it just a domestic-level okay win? Now, as far as O'Hara Davies goes, I bring him up because um, Taylor fought him too. Taylor stopped him, all right? TKO win. Davies went the distance with Catterall. So, you know, I do think Catterall, because Taylor hasn't been the most active guy, I think he's going to give him a good push, a good challenge, but I expect Taylor to win this fight. All right. Uh, and then here in the United States, the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. This is PBC on Showtime. They got an interesting little triple header here. None of these fights are really great, but, um, you know, a couple of young, interesting fighters staying active. Chris Colbert going up against late replacement Hector Luis Garcia. This is Orthodox versus Southpaw, 12 rounds, and this is a WBA 130-pound eliminator. I don't really care because it's WBA and they're trash. So whatever. Either way, you know, I like Chris Colbert and he's one of the better little fighters out there. So I like that this is an eliminator and gets him in a potential title matchup within a year. Best fight on this card is Gary Antoine Russell going up against Victor Postal, the junior uh, welterweight fight. That's 10 rounds. This is a nice fight for him. Postal is a, uh, an experienced veteran, you know, is well past his best. He's been softened up a little bit, but at this stage, I like this step-up fight for Russell. And then Jerwin Ancajas going up against Fernando Martinez in a 12-round junior bantamweight fight. So, um, you know, look, three interesting fighters in Colbert, Russell, and Ancajas. Not the best matchups in the world. I do like the Russell-Postal matchup, though. But um, these are kind of stay-busy, experience-building kind of fights for these three guys. But it should be an interesting triple header. And then Sunday, February 27th, Matchroom is back on DAZN. This is in London. Lawrence O'Coley, the second defense of his WBO cruiserweight title, going up against Polish fighter Michael Cieslak, who has only lost once, and that was a unanimous decision loss to Ilonga Makabu back in 2020. This is another one of those instances where we'll get an, an indication at Cieslak's level. Because a lot of people were saying, right, when, when Canel was going to fight Macabu, there were the, the people on Twitter saying, oh, Macabu's a beast. He beat this Polish kid to win the title. And, oh, man, he's a monster. Canelo's a, a, a badass for taking this fight. And I told all of you that that fight was complete smoke and mirrors. It's not going to happen now, thank God. But I think O'Coley is going to steamroll this dude. I think O'Coley is much, much improved in recent years. It'll start slow and technical. But in the middle rounds, I think he's going to sleep this dude. I really, really do. All right. That is the preview. I'm sorry. Yeah, the preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it right the first time. 
Uh, let's go back to this chat here. Make sure I got all the super chats and then we'll get to the phones. All right. So get on the line, guys. Let's see. Uh, super chat from Kobot Sudo. What's up, man? I ain't heard from you in a while. Thank you so much for the super chat. He think he says, uh, do you think Prime Triple G would have KO'd everyone Canelo had faced, has faced since the rematch? Yes. I think a past Prime Triple G, Triple G KOs several of them. Yes. Absolutely. And this is no disrespect to the guys Canelo has fought. Okay. Um, but yes, the only guy with the only exception is maybe Daniel Jacobs. I think he had the style and everything to always give Golovkin issues and at least go the distance. Possibly could have been stopped late, but likely would have always gone the distance with Golovkin. But everybody that Canelo has fought after the two Triple G fights, let's see, that's uh, Rocky Fielding, Avni Yildirim, Caleb Plant. Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders. Yes, Prime Triple G absolutely annihilates all those fighters, and it's really not even competitive. I don't know if any of those guys would win a round, maybe one or two, but that's about it. And that's just the level of those fighters and also the level of a Prime Triple G. Um, you know, th Prime Triple G is the guy that absolutely bludgeoned David Lemieux, right? And David Lemieux, I get it. When Billy Joe Saunders fought him, he wiped him out. But that was more styles, and uh, it's not the same David Lemieux. I get it, all right? So on paper, it looks like, oh, Billy Joe Saunders maybe is a step up from David Lemieux. Sure, absolutely. And I, So, by the way, is Caleb Plant and Callum Smith. They're, they're a, a step above David Lemieux. But I still think Triple G would have just bludgeoned those guys and just ran through them. <clears throat> okay, I think, uh, I think that's all the chat we're caught up on. So let's jump to these phone calls. And if you guys got any more stuff in the chat, we'll hit those up too, all right? Let's go right to the phones here. We've got uh, 336. You're on the show. What's going on? Yo, Mike. What's up, Brian? Yo. What's up, man? Brother, facts. You keep giving them them facts, my brother. If they're not absorbing this knowledge, I don't know what they're doing. Right? This is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible. Yo, 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 I don't know what's going on. Are you getting me all right, man? Because yeah. I kind of lost. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as Brooke and Khan, what I did, I, I just turned it down and I started playing music I wanted to listen to and I watched the fight. <laughs> and I just looked at the fighters, man, and I wanted to feel them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mike, you a fighter. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel them. I wanted to see the expressions. And yo, man, if these two guys do not retire, they both gonna get fucked up. Yeah. So they need to do that shit and stop fucking around. And as far as these people that want someone to, yo, man, if you never took pain, you don't know about pain. So you talk dumbass shit. You got to experience that shit and understand what these fighters are going through. Motherfucker, you watch that shit on TV? Yeah, yeah. That ain't doing it. Yeah, yeah, he might. Uh, anyway, as far as them clowns, whatever. Brooke and Khan need to stop this now and enjoy the rest of their lives with their families. Enjoy their millions of dollars and enjoy their families. Yes, sir. Yeah, they done enough shit for the business, bro. <laughs> they can go and do other things and still make money. Absolutely. I don't know what these people are thinking. Now, do they understand the pain? 
I mean, Mike, you need to explain to these people what kind of pain you got to deal with in this shit, man. This Especially once you get over 30 years old, man, it's different. When you're 22, it's not the same, man. It's like drinking. It's it's not the same when you're in your 30s, man, or 40s. Hell no. Hell no. Facts. Mike, they better absorb that. Those facts, man. I'm living in your world, my brother. <laughs> this is you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but that's what I did, man, because I just had to look at it that way because I know this fight should have happened a long time ago, and it should have, mm -hmm. but I just wanted to see him. These two old guys, because mm -hmm. they are. <laughs> man, you I know what's crazy, though, man? They're, they're only, like, 34, 35, right? I, well, you know what I mean. No, no, no but you're right. They, But they are old because of the punishment they've taken, man. They're not but the same guys. Facts. Yeah. Facts. That's like... I, you were saying about a, uh, a crime con fighting. Um, who was that? And I was like, yeah. Oh, you said it would be a great fight, though. Um, or Brooke, if, he had, if Brooke hadn't fought Golovkin, and we got an undefeated Brooke, yeah. Kel Brook yeah. versus an undefeated Terrence Crawford, that would have been a hell of a fight. That would have been a, oh, that would have been the shit, man. Oh, yeah. Facts. Yeah, man. But anyway, yo, y'all ain't gonna take up any more of your time. I just wanted to express that because I, I suppose if you haven't experienced something, you don't know, and then you, you talk nonsense. True that. You have to understand what these guys say through. This is pain. This is not bullshit. This is real. This, this, this ain't, ain't no shooting TV hoops. Show, motherfucker. This, this, this ain't, is real. This ain't, yeah, absolutely, man. Great time over, man. Yo, Mike, <laughs> respect, brethren. Bomba clap. Bomba clap. Alright, Brian. Day, you and me, because this is fake, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Ah, this is gonna be great. Hey, mm -hmm. man, you take care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see you Friday or whatever you do Friday. Boom, boom, boom. We like that. Anyway, yo, what's your Boston boy? Y'all, I want to talk to that crazy motherfucker. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, man, we need to get him back on the line. And maybe we'll, maybe, you know, we need if he if he calls in, we'll get we'll do a three way. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, all three of us will talk. No, I ain't down with that shit, man. Wait a <laughs> not like that. <laughs> no, not like that, man. <laughs> I'm not into that shit. <laughs> not on this channel. We, we don't do that on this channel. <laughs> no, nah, I was talking about something else, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Now you're going to get me in trouble, Brian. You're going to get me in trouble, man. Oh, shit. Not me, brother. Not me, bro. <laughs> I'm an innocent guy here. This is guy look like me. <laughs> yeah, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to fight. Absolutely, you. man. Your knowledge is incredible. The guys that call in, they don't bullshit. Yo, I, you ought to be like everywhere, man. You be worldwide. Fuck that shit. This is real, <laughs> right here. I appreciate this it, brother. Real shit. <laughs> Fuck, man, I got, I got nothing but praise and love for you, brother. Appreciate I don't know it, what else to say, so I'm going to say adios, amigo. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one, Brian. You, All right, peace, BOT. Peace, man. I'll talk to you uh, probably Friday. All right, man. Bye. Bye. There he goes. There he goes. All right, let's jump right back into it with Nacho. He's been on the line for a minute. Nacho, what's up, man? <clears throat> hey, what's going on, Mike? Not much. Um... Just uh, like what happened on the fights this weekend, um, I think Linares has to call it a wrap, Mike. Um, yeah. I, I had him winning that fight, 
But honestly, he just didn't look great, even though he was winning the fight. Because when he did get hit uh, solid, he didn't look like he he took the punches the way he used to when he was younger. And you can just kind of tell when a guy starts taking shots and he doesn't absorb them anymore the way he once did. It's not a good look. And so he was winning that fight. But I always felt like if Abdullayev landed something really hard that could hurt Linares, he was going to stop him. And sure enough, that's what ended up happening. But... I have to say, that was some bullshit by ESPN+. Plus. How are you guys going to be able to broadcast the entire fight up until the last round, and we don't get to see the last round, and then we end up having to get uh, yeah. the last round shown to us by people on Twitter? It's like, dude, come on, really? Like, yeah, you I totally forgot after to all mention this that. Money they, they, I totally yeah, forgot to mention that. Yeah, money man. They all this money they spent on it, all this money they've invested in the damn thing and they still can't get it to work right? That's ridiculous, man. Like, this is bullshit. Like, I was so upset that I didn't get to see it live and I had to watch it, like, later. I was like, that's ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, like I said, if Linares can't compete at a championship level, then why stick around? You know, I think at this point, he just yeah. has to call it a day and, and, you know, move on for sure. Um, and then with the uh, Con Brook fight, um, that was entertaining. Like I told you, Mike, considering it was two guys that were considered past their prime, both guys have taken a lot of damage. Both guys have been rusty and not fighting very often. Um, it was entertaining to see, but it, I agree with what you said. It was like as soon as Brook landed the very first hard, stiff jab to Con, and you could see Con was on, on uh, shaky legs, I was like, oh, this fight's over. Like, at that point, you know, you knew it was over because Khan was never going to be able to land anything on Brooke that was going to hurt him. It was just a matter of time before Brooke was able to take him out, and that's what he did. He beat him up and eventually stopped him. Um, I hope both guys got paid really well, which it does sound like they, they both did. did. I, just, I just hope that Khan is smart enough to realize that it's over and he just needs to enjoy his money. Uh, you know, go live the rest of his life with his family and just leave leave the the, the boxing to everybody else because he, he doesn't belong in the ring anymore. Um, as far as Brooke, like you said, Mike, some people are getting exaggerated about like, oh, he should fight this guy. But there is one guy, and I'm just curious to see what you think. What would you think about a fight between Kel Brook and Danny Garcia? Yeah, a few people have mentioned that. And I guess at this point in their careers, if they wanted to go for one more payday, and they wanted to do something like that, and Brooke wanted to come back to the United States or something, yeah, we could do that. I think that's okay. I think because uh, Garcia's never been an elite welterweight anyway. He doesn't hit hard at welterweight. So I think that would be a good fight. Yeah, I think that fight at 54 for both guys would be very competitive because I think they're both kind of at the same place in their career. And yeah. Garcia's not exactly a spring chicken either. He's right. kind of in his 30s as well. So, you know, I think it'd be a decent fight for either guy. Um, and then with the uh, with the other card, um, man, watching Zapata struggle the other night was just really tough to watch. But I just kind of wonder who, who got this last-minute replacement that they brought in because that guy had no intention of really fighting. He was just out there to kind of be a spoiler, Mike, and, and it made Cepeda, as far as, like, his ability to go in there and get this guy, um, you know, to fight, it, it just made it tough to watch. I'm glad he got the stoppage, but 
he was extremely lucky that that ref didn't disqualify him for that shot that he hit his opponent with when the guy was already going down. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I really thought they were going to disqualify him, but they didn't. So he was fortunate, and I'm glad he got the win and he moves on. But, yeah, I'd like to see Golden Boy put this guy in there with somebody. Like, I mean, enough of the, 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 the guys, you know, that are like kind of journeymen and trial horses, it's time to bring in somebody who's a legit test for Zapata. I think he's ready, he's ready. for a guy who's, who's a legit test. Yeah, he, I think he's ready. And then uh, with Mungia, um, I agree, Mike. I just was not happy with the fact that, you know, he looked terrible on Friday when he weighed in. And, and he definitely put on a significant amount of weight overnight because when he climbed in that ring, he must have been close to 180, I mm-hmm. think. Like, he looked way heavier than what he did the day before when he was weighing in. He he put on a pretty good amount of weight, but I think that's a dangerous game to be playing because eventually those weight cuts, like you said, are going to come back to haunt you, especially as you keep getting older. You know, that gets tougher and tougher to pull off. So, if anything, his uh, Eric Morales and his team need to kid, sit the kid down and talk to him about, like, hey, like, if you don't want to be killing yourself to make 60, how about you stay in shape in between fights where yeah. you're not packing on, you know, 25, 30 pounds, and then you have to struggle to get all the way down to 60. You know, I think that's going to be the only solution uh, to that issue. As far as the fight, he looked good, and he did what he had to do against a guy like Ballard, who, you know, had a decent record, but it really hadn't beaten anybody of note. So he went out there and, you know, he did what he was supposed to and, and I'm glad he won and he's moving on. But, yeah, I think it's time, Mike, to, to, to step him up and get him either a top 10 guy or a title shot, one of the two. Like, yeah, man. no more stay busy fights. Like, the kid the kid is ready. There's no more There's no more stay busy fights at this point. It's either, it's either he fights a contender or he fights a title for a title shot. Like, it doesn't make any sense to keep dragging this out. It's either... Um, you know, uh, shit or get off the pot. Um, as far as I'm concerned, with Jaime, and then just really quick, Mike. Um, on Friday, I had told you about a couple of things I had heard, and I'm just curious if um, I didn't get a chance to bring them up, but I, I, I remembered what it was. So the first one was I don't know if you saw, but uh, there's some people putting out a story. I think it might have been um, the dude uh, Ryan Congaila had put out something on Twitter where. I don't know if you heard about jo- Joel. Is it Joel or uh, Casimiro? Is it? I'm not sure what his first name is. Is it Joel Casimiro? Ryo Casimiro. Something. The Filipino fighter. Yeah, John Real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. John Real Casimiro. Yeah, the little guy. So apparently there was this this story on Twitter going around last week um, before the Friday show, and I forgot about it. Apparently somebody is out there accusing Casimiro of having been busted for. Um, you know, statutory rape. And like, there's this accusation floating around that he's in trouble in the Philippines for that. And that he flew out of the Philippines and came to the U S in order to avoid getting arrested by the cops in the Philippines. And then someone else put out um, something about, well, his ex management is the one putting the story out there because apparently he, he didn't pay them for the fight against Rigondeaux and, they're pissed off and they're like making this crazy accusation to like get him in trouble. Like, I don't know if you heard anything about that, but I was like seeing that and I'm like, Oh, what the hell? What the hell is this? Like, it's just crazy because he's got a fight against Butler coming up soon. And mm. I'm like, man, like 
that, that's just a wild accusation. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I've I've heard a lot of uh, things about Casemiro and the team, and there's just a lot of craziness going on. Um, that's all I can really say on the record, because um, I know uh, several people uh, over there, and they're yeah. cool guys. They're cool to me, and they always give me access when I need to talk to someone. Uh, they always keep it real with me. But as far as the statutory rape and all that, I, I hadn't heard about that. I know Ryan Songlia, he is part Filipino, and I do think he speaks some Tagalog, and he, he, he talks to some of the people over there pretty regularly. He stays on that beat. So um, I, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure what he knows. But I know that there's been a lot of back and forth between Casimiro and his camp and some other camps, and people have put out all sorts of disparaging comments and information about each other. So I, I kind of don't know what to believe with all that, dude. I really don't. Mm, okay. And then just really like the last thing I wanted to bring up was since Castaño got hurt and he's not going to fight Charlo, mm. Tim Zhu has been putting it out there that he's trying to enforce his shot. Do no. you think that they not would happening. step in? No? no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of figured. Yeah, I figured they probably just dumped the belt before they fight uh, Tim Zhu instead. All right, Mike. That's my call. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Nacho. Uh, yeah. All right. All right, peace. Yeah, I, I don't see Zoo getting that shot. I, I think um, <clears throat> he is the mandatory, but I think that there's a contract there, and I think Charlo Castaño, too, that's that's going to be the fight. And it's only going to be delayed a few months. So it'd be one thing if it was going to be delayed for like a year, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. All right, let's go back to the phones. We got UK callers, 797. You're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. It's uh, Rich Rucker. How you doing? All right. Rich, good. How you doing, man? Um, yeah, strange times, man. I've got I've got the fucking Rona. Oh, I'm currently quarantined in my yeah tested positive like yesterday. I'm currently quarantined in my attic room while the rest of my family who have not tested positive. <laughs> Have the run of the fucking house, man. It's <laughs> I feel like I feel like Anne Frank or some shit. Anne Frank. Like do you have that. the regular or do you yeah. have the Omicron or however the hell you say it? Do you know which uh, variant? Uh, do, do I do I have the upgraded model? Um, yeah, I haven't got a clue. Nah, you got nah, one I've of only them. Done oh, okay, the right, right. flow test so far. I've got the I've got the proper one off to the lab today. So uh, we'll gotcha. see. We'll see. I'd like to think I've got some kind of like mutant hybrid ninja version only the most elite of variants the only, only the elite like, only the pound for pound variant <clears throat> yeah absolutely absolutely but um, yeah man I'm just uh, yeah I'm calling as much as anything to alleviate my boredom but um, <laughs> also to give a bit of a UK perspective on the whole Con Brook thing uh, that happened at the weekend um, which yeah it was uh, quite an event man um, mm. and not in all good ways I don't think it's probably the worst undercard I've ever seen oh yeah on a fight ever yeah it was horrendous they literally got Fraser Clark's opponent out of the audience yeah I saw that yeah. I actually saw that fight and I was like oh my god God, I might be able to beat this guy. You know, don't disrespect, but if I can beat you, you suck. So I, when I saw that, I was like, die. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. That guy, literally, he was at the public workout 
as a fan. Uh, he's had like two or three white collar fights before. Yeah. I can't believe. So he was a guy at my level, basically, that got that assignment. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I That's mean, bad. Yeah, he spoke to his manager because he'd, he'd been trying to go professional and he spoke to his manager to try and get him a ticket. And he said, I've got you a ticket, but you got to fight Fraser tomorrow. <laughs> That's literally how it went. I wow. can't believe it got licensed, man. It's wow, fucking man. mad. But yeah, fair play. Like they got him out of there as soon as possible. Wow. <laughs> a couple of digs and out he went. But yeah, that 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 was that was like crazy, absolutely crazy. You know, you laugh about it because nobody got hurt, but that's yeah. mental. Um, but yeah, it's as bad an undercard as I as I've ever seen. I I did switch it off. I turned it back on for um, I turned it back on for the for the ladies, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. The history being made, I suppose, even though that was a total mismatch as well. But um, uh, I like Natasha yeah, actual, though. Natasha Jones. Yeah, I do. I yeah do. she got, seems like a sweetheart. She's got a really fun style. Man. Yeah. yeah, she's lush. Yeah, yeah. She's, I've never met her, but good. everything I've seen in her, she seems like a real sweetheart, and she's a she's fun to watch. So yeah, I like her. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know the, how many knockouts you see in, yeah. in women's boxing. Good and, point. You know, there's a load of people. There's a load of people complaining, um, uh, like Enzo Macronelli and people like that were complaining that it was uh, it was an early stoppage and they should have let her carry on. And you know, the corner were going to throw Mattel, but they sat back down when they realised she was okay and all that kind of stuff. Why? You know, she was getting beat, man. Like. It was the right was on the wall, but um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm pleased for I'm pleased for the fashion on it. So it's a really good result, but yeah, not the strongest opponent really. But um, yeah, Calm Brook, it's a fight like most UK fans are desperately wanted to see a long time ago, like mm. a long time ago. If it had happened like eight nine years ago, ideally. Um, that's when I'd have wanted to see it, to be honest. And I did not have high hopes at all. I thought um, I thought Khan might well nick it, to be honest. Me too. Um, I called it. I called it for Khan on points on the basis that Me I too. thought Brooke would be horribly weight drained um, and probably fade quite badly late. Um, and it would just end up being a bit of a stinker and stuff. But I think that was just my pessimism as much <laughs> as anything as anything about the, the whole event really coming up to it. Um, because I desperately wanted Kel to knock him out, to be perfectly honest. Um, that's, that's what I wanted to see for a long time. But, um, yeah, it was entertaining in the end. You could tell there was some niggle there, but you're right, Khan was absolutely shot to pieces, man. Completely shot to pieces. It didn't look like he'd been sparring to me at all. Yeah, that's a great that's um, a great observation because that's that's how it looked to me too. Cause you can always tell in the gym when a guy hasn't been sparring in a while. Your reactions he, are different. He was like six inches. Yeah, he was you overreact six inches to punches, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. He 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 was he was falling to he just could he just wasn't getting his range at all. And it's not like yeah. Brooke was massively mobile. You know, right. Brooke was quite heavy in the legs and stuff. Just came stern, forward, just walked like, forward, just stalked. That's all Brooke did. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't really, it's not like he was fainting or anything. You know, and yeah, like, Khan didn't have his, he, he was just, 
he was just falling short and being counted all the time. And I cannot believe that they didn't. They, you know, his chin is is just non-existent. You know, it, you know, it, it looks to me like he's had to lose quite a lot of weight, as you say, in in uh, in, in camp. He probably has trained quite hard to lose a lot of weight. Um, but he's, yeah, it's, it's the actual sparring and you know technical sparring and boxing side of things. It doesn't look like he's been mm-hmm. doing a lot of that in the build-up. And uh, yeah, when you know, I thought it was going to be over way sooner than it was. To be honest, I think you're, I think you're quite right about um, about Brooke not being able to drop him. That was, I think, that stood out. I think Khan was. Yeah, it did stand out. I mean, I, I, I've got to say, you know, Khan showed a lot of heart and, you know, he, 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 obviously they, they genuinely, genuinely do not like each other. Yes. <laughs> and I think if he was going to be determined not to hit the deck, um, but that shouldn't really have been his choice, to be honest. You know, if you're separated from your senses, you, you fall over whether you want to or not. And, uh, I thought it was, yeah, it was significant that, that Brooke couldn't do that. Um, personally, I think, I, th- I was really pleased with the result because I would have been absolutely gutted for Burke if he hadn't won for the simple reason that for my money, Brooke has been one of the worst managed fighters mm. um, that I can remember of that sort of level of talent Yeah, uh, in the last sort of 10, 15 years or so for the simple reason that he should have moved up to he should have moved up to one five four years ago. Years ago. I mean he's been he's been killing his because again it's a it's interesting how the same topic coming up about a lot of the fights uh, that's happened over the weekend, like Mungir, for example. Brooke is another one who has never lived the life between fights. He's always blown up and been walking around at like 180, 185. Yeah, he lives a kind of a crazy lifestyle outside the ring. Um, He's kind of known for it. Yeah, yeah. Rumors about certain things, you know. Yeah, yeah. We can, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of questionable gossip about, uh, about Cal um, that that goes around the, it's certainly around the boxing people in the UK as much as anywhere else. But yeah, it's uh, um but anyway, leaving all that aside, he's yeah, he's you know, he's been killing himself to make one four seven and I reckon the main reason he's been staying at one four seven as much as anything else is to try and get this fight with Khan. Yes. Which he's been trying to get for a decade. And now and he, he got it. So he, if he fights again, yeah, it needs exactly. to be at least at fifty four one more fight and then yeah. walk away. That's it. Exactly. You know, he's one of those, as you say, he's one of those what if guys. You know, mm-hmm. if he's got another fight in him, someone, yeah, maybe like your, like your previous caller said, someone like Danny Garcia, if he's yeah. thinking of knocking it on the head soon himself, you know, just, yeah, 154 or catch weight somewhere between and, you know, make a bit of money and then ride off into the sunset against someone who's not a big puncher. Um, and, you know, he's, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame, really, because I think if he had, if you think about one five four as the division was, sort of immediately after the time he beat, um, uh, immediately after the time he beat Porter, uh, Porter you know, yeah, you, you, you hit that sort of sweet spot after 
you know, Canelo is moving up to 160. Um, yeah. I mean, he, 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 you did know, right had, in there. Uh, guys like, yeah, exactly. He had like Cotto and stuff hanging around, but well on the well on the decline. And, and you know, he could have been a big threat at 154 if he played his cards right, I think. It's only for a while, you know. Um, but hey, it is what it is, man. I'm glad he got his, he got his vindication in the end. He made a bunch of money and he, he put on a reasonably entertaining show. And I hope he can sort of, yeah, say his job's done now. And, and the the universe, know, the universe balanced, Rich. It all kind of balanced and, and absolutely. Broke. We've come full circle. We've come full circle. Full so all is well in the universe yeah. with, with Kelbrook. Yeah, absolutely. You know. But man, I got to jump to yeah, some yeah, other calls, yeah. brother. I got some. Yeah, I got a few. Sure, man. I've been prattling on for ages, but uh, yeah, cool. Take care. Thanks Bye. a lot. You too, man. Have a good one. I got a few more calls here. I want to get to a few of these guys have been on the line, but first a super chat from Sam. A, thank you so much, Sam. Um, he said, I believe Bomack and Terrence built up cons so they could bet on Brooke. No way he looked great in camp, and the first jab hurts him. I don't know about that. My my uh, takeaway, again, I talked to somebody in that camp. They reached out to me and, and told me Khan was working his butt off. I think that they focused less on sparring and boxing stuff, traditional boxing drills and stuff, and focused more on athletic kind of training. Uh, the perfecting athletes group. That's who uh, Crawford and, and and Jamel Herring and such. They they work with those guys and they help them make weight the right way and things like that. And I think that's why Khan maybe was able to take some of the punches. I do think he was in great shape. I really really do. Um, but you know, I I know he was working hard there because Khan has had an ego for years and he's always wanted to do things his way. But in this camp, from what I heard to directly from the people involved. Uh, he was taking direction. He was putting in the work. I just think they, you know, he didn't take a, a lot of, he didn't spar a ton of rounds, didn't take a lot of punches coming in. So maybe that helped his punch resistance a little bit against Brooke. And he was in very good shape. I just think he shot the shit, man. He's just nowhere near his prime. Like his prime is light years away and he never should fight again. He never should spar again. It's over. It's over. All right, back to the phones. Uh, we got a few more calls here. We've got Richard on the line. What's up, Rich? Hey, man. How you doing, Mike? Good. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. I just um, a couple of things. I'm not trying to keep it too long. Um, yeah, as far as uh, both um, Jorge Linares and uh, Mir Khan, uh, yeah, both those guys definitely need to um, call it a day. They they both have hell of a careers, and um, just go looking back, man. I mean, they provide a lot of um, a lot of thrills and action fights for the fans, and that's what they're going to be remembered at. And you know, they were also, you know, just good champions at you know, one time. So I would say both those guys uh, definitely should hang up the gloves. Um, for for Kell Brook, I think he. He could technically retire too with this win, and it'll, it'll look good. But I think, um, I think someone mentioned that maybe a fight with him and Danny Garcia, or maybe maybe he fights the young guns coming up. You know, Virgil um, Ortiz or Duran Anderson. They, I mean, those I don't think it would be bad fights as well. They'd kill him though, dude. Like they would. Shot. They would crush yeah, him. Yeah, I know. I know. I I would predict I would pick those guys to win, but I think that's really is kind of last options. I would 
Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Not going to be guys like uh, Crawford or you know Spencer. They already they already beaten them before. So, and uh, you know, uh, Mike, I want to touch up. I I heard your um, podcast with us on I think Friday regarding the um, Canelo sweet sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, just my thoughts on that, really quick. Um, and I know Canelo kind of he shot some kind of message about that too. Anybody um, should be calling Canelo a a ducker or talking any shit whatsoever because let's face it, man, fighting uh, B-Balls or Triple G or David Benavides or Charlo, they're all badass fights. That's what it, that's really yeah. That's really the point. They're all badass fights, and doesn't matter which way Canelo takes, they're all good fights. That that's that's just it. Those guys are all top level fighters, you know. And honestly, if you want to nitpick it, and I think you, you covered it last Friday. Honestly, like Bevold is to me the most challenging of all the guys for for Canelo, in, in my opinion, because um, he's a natural light heavyweight. He's got the height. He's got a good uh, technical style. Um, and I think he's the one that would trouble Canelo the most. Even though I still would favor Canelo to win, I think he would trouble him the most. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. obviously, like a Charlo fight, yeah, I think maybe maybe more action wise, that'd be maybe a little bit better. But still, the better opponent is, uh, in my opinion, Bivol. But either way, any any of these options are way better than him fighting Macabu at cruiserweight. That's that's a given. Okay? Yeah, so, I agree with you, man. What I wasn't. Yeah, I was never really on board with that whole cruiserweight thing. Um, I don't think it was ever going to become a reality. And I, I think this, this Canelo was you know, saying some stuff that he was going to go for it and make some history. But I would prefer to fight the four guys I just mentioned. And if you're, like you said, if you're comparing resumes and stuff like that, you know, I think Bebov has done more than Jamal Charlo and David Benavides. And, but even even you know even the uh, older uh, Triple G has done a lot you know and it, and when it really comes down to it I know he's been active but he's the last guy to give Canelo his toughest fight that's just that's just the facts you yeah. know yeah um and even though I you know I say you know Canelo defeats I think Triple G a little easier than the the rematch even though the rematch technically could have gone either way but um you know I think. Still, you know, worthy opponent. Considering how Triple G will look, if he wants to fight Murata, we'll have to go from there and see see how he looks. Right. Uh, right. But uh, but yeah, I just don't like you know because here now check out social media. I don't like the shit talking from all these people. You know about uh, Canelo. You know I'm a big Canelo fan, but I mean I like all those fights that's being presented at this time. And yeah, but I'm also realistic on Canelo. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him, but I'm gonna be honest when. When he fought Triple G that second time, I wanted to see that third fight right away. And I've always knocked Canelo for not taking that fight right away. But the third fight with Triple G, I like I don't know particulars in the, in the business part of it, but it almost seemed like when they had that draw in their first fight, you know, there was no hesitation from Canelo's side to take the rematch. Mm-hmm. But once he won the rematch in a close competitive fight, there were some people who thought maybe oh, I could have gone Triple G's way. It didn't seem like I was rushing to do a third fight. It was just kind of like, all right, I got my win on you, and I'm going to move yeah. on. That was kind of the attitude I got from Canelo at that time. 100. I mean, do, you, do you agree with that? Or? Absolutely agree. Okay. And there's things I know related to that situation. That, trust me, that is absolutely the truth. Yeah. Right, right. So that's, that's, that's just my take. So, I mean, I always have 
because I, I I know a lot of people are like Canelo, and you know they kind of um gone that same route too. Like, well, Canelo already beat him; he needs to move on. I'm like, no, man, it's not. That's not how it works. It's like if you if you want to be honest, they're technically one and one. Yeah, fight. man. I mean, the third fight's a rubber one, match. You could even have a two zero. Yeah. Right. You could even yeah. have two zero triple G. You can make a case. You can make a case. So I, you know, I have an uncle of mine who's a hardcore. He's he, he thinks that Triple G won that second fight very close. I thought Canelo won very close. So it's like you got to steal the deal. Mm-hmm. We've always had these trilogies, and you know, it's, uh, you know, Pacquiao Marquez, Vasquez Marquez, and you know, there's always all these fights. Barrera Morales, Scotty Ward. You know, we, we've had them, and because we got to settle the controversy, you know, who, who's the main man, and also if they're good fights, like in the exception of you know Canelo Triple G, they're a great fight. Let's see it again. And then on the business aspect of it, it'll be a huge fight, a big money, you know. Completely so, agree. Um, of course, I mean, of course, of course, I think it's a little, you know, a, a little late now, but I still wouldn't mind seeing it. It still would sell, no matter what anybody says. It's, it's agree. Still, it would still sell because there's still people that wanna wanna see that fight. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Oh, really quick, Mike. I I read your article. Good article on the Ring Magazine for. Um, Cronk Jim article. Oh, thanks, man. Stuff, Appreciate man. that. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, I, I try to give, you know, uh, Ring Magazine a lot of credit. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader, subscriber to it. I've uh, been, been reading the, the magazine for many years. I don't like anybody that shits on it because um, my my thing is that, hey, listen, yeah, of course, you know, I've, I've been reading the Ring for such a long time. Yeah, I might disagree a little bit on the ratings, but mm-hmm. it's, or I might read an article like, oh, okay, I'm not too, you know, for this article or something. I'll read it, Bridget, but I might not agree with it, but it's the overall picture, Mike. If I look at it, it's like good content. You got good people writing it, good people behind it, true boxing fanatics, people that love the sport and the passion. That's what counts because there's so much other garbage out there, you know, other media, podcasts, you know, whatever it is. It's just that this, the Ring Magazine still holds up, in my opinion. It still holds up. And you compare it to everybody else, it's, it's one of the it's one of the best out there. There's only a few people that can really, you know, even podcasts like like yourself and a couple others that, you know, um, do a really good job and passionate about the sport. Anybody that just kind of like picks at it, I mean, I honestly, anybody that just shit talks it, man, they should just, you know, the way I look at it, you know, start, you know, doing your research yourself. Once you, you know. Read some other boxing articles. Or read some books. Learn the history more. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Learn the fighters. Go back in time. There is so much out there in boxing. It's like, as as much as I love it, I'm learning something new every day just by, mm-hmm. you know, let's say listening to you or reading the Ring Magazine or just reading and buying a, a book. Whatever the case is, there's so much out there that, you know, you could spend less time, you know, bullshit on social media about who gets paid who and, you know, sources nonsense. Right, right. Know. Start doing some of that. Start doing some of that stuff. That's the way I look. One hundred percent agree, man. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it, Mike. Oh, really quick. What's your thoughts on um, on Chocolatito and uh, Martinez coming up in March? I gotta think about that one, man. Uh, Because it's like it's youth versus age. that's a tough one. I got to think about that one because I could see it going a couple different directions. (laughs) I'm on the fence too with that one because I was, yeah, I I I promise you I'll take a side brother. 
I'll tell you, as we get closer to that fight, I'll take a side. But right now, it's too soon. <laughs> so we'll get there. Because, because it's almost kind of similar to Rodriguez, maybe Quadra, what, two weeks yes. ago? Yes. Like yeah. Although I think Rodriguez might a be little, special. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit, but because we don't, because Chocolatito is like, uh, yeah, he's an all time, you know, great yeah. Hall of Famer, but it's like, um, could that Estrada fight that he just had been this last great one? It could, exactly. It could, be that. it could be. Was that like his last, the last great performance? And then Martinez, he's had issues yeah. too, man, with, with weight and stuff. So, so yeah, I, I how has that affected him? But yeah, man, when we get closer to that one, I promise you, I'll break it all down. We'll chop it up. I got to get to these other calls, hey, man, though, man. What, though. Yeah, yeah, real quick. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a hell of a fight, though. Fuck, yeah. That's going to be a great fight. I can't wait. That's probably the first one of the year that, like, I'm really, really excited for. So it's coming up soon, man. <clears throat> All right, Rich. I, I got to jump to these other calls, man. Oh, looks like you went away anyway. So, <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. I don't know. Your call dropped, but. Um, I want to get to one quick comment, guys, before I get to a couple more calls, because this is an interesting comment from uh, Abdul Munir Shacklebeaton. And he said, uh, for me, Amir Khan disappointed the Muslim people. I was totally rooting for him because I am a Muslim myself. So Abdul Munir, I would say this to you, brother. You should be proud of Amir Khan. He came up short in that fight, but there's no... I, there, there's no shame in that. He, he fought everybody. And so he should make you proud, honestly. Um, I, I would be very proud of him, you know, if I were from the UK or if I was of the same heritage or, or religious background as Amir Khan, I'd be very, very proud. He, he fought everybody. Um, he, he gave an honest effort. Like like some people were saying, he he went in there and didn't fight hard, didn't train hard. That That's the absolute opposite of what I've been told by people in that camp. They said that he worked his butt off. He got himself in great shape. He's just, it just doesn't have it no more, brother. And um, you, I, when I saw your comment, I wanted to respond because if you're disappointed, you shouldn't be, you should be very, very proud. I would be, I certainly would be. And, you know, again, for all the antics and some of the things about Amir Khan that I might disagree with or it may have annoyed me over the years or whatever and for all his flaws you know he, he doesn't have a strong chin he always had defensive lapses and kind of like mental lapses um he's he's carved out a very good career and he was one of those guys that was willing to fight everybody i think that's something to be proud of i really truly do super chat from oj22 thank you so much he says ring magazine has integrity yes sir and i'll tell you why we have integrity it's because of the people we have that are in charge at Ring Magazine. The the editors, uh, our editorial staff, the people that are running the show are people that I look up to. Um, it's And it's not kissing ass. It's, it's not telling people what they want to hear. I genuinely believe this and, and feel this way. Uh, guys like Doug Fisher, Tom Gray, and there are others that I think are super, super great at their job. I, I agree with them 99% of the time on their takes. And I have examples I could provide to you, and I have on that show Friday that I did on my channel. I gave you an example of where Doug had flawless integrity in a, in a difficult situation where um, he was challenged by people that ultimately, you know, could have could have had him in some real trouble. So they're the real deal. All right. So great comment, and I fully fully agree. Super chat from MP4 Vids. Thank you so much. 
He says, Triple G clearly won the first fight against Canelo. The second fight could have gone either way. De La Hoya said, if Canelo wants to be great, he needs to fight fighters like Benavidez, Charlo, and Andrade. I concur. Here's my thinking, guys, real quick with the Canelo sweepstakes stuff. I don't want to talk about this too much because it's already overdone. But if you cut through all the bullshit, here's the reality. The Beevil and Golovkin fights, I think, have a date, a due date on them. Fighting Golovkin now is better than fighting Golovkin two years from now. He's It's already past due. He's softened up against, you know, Derevyanchenko. He's going to get softened up against Murata. He's, he's well past his best. But he's still serviceable enough that the fans are going to buy it. Same thing with Beevil to, to an extent. So I, I think that Trip, or, uh, Canelo fighting those two guys this year, and I really truly believe that's the direction he'll go, he, he can wait for Charlo and, uh, and, uh, and well, forget Andre because his career is just trash. Benavidez and Charlo, he can wait for those two guys. They're going to be there next year, okay? So in 2023, if Canelo fights, if this year he fights Bevo and Golovkin, and Golovkin's going to retire next year, right? He's going to be done and retire next year. So Canelo could fight him now, and Golovkin will get another W or after he fights uh, Canelo this year. So that'll look good for Canelo. But then next year, he still can fight Benavidez. He can fight Charlo. If he ever wants to fight Andre, if Andre creates any demand for that fight at some point, who the hell knows, he can fight them later. There's no rush. Those guys are not going anywhere. He wants to wait out uh, Baturbiev and wait him out and let Joe Smith and Baturbiev fight each other, wear each other out a little bit more, and then fight the winner maybe next year. So I think he's going to wait on those guys. Benavidez, Charlo, Andre, they're going to continue to maybe build up their profiles a little bit because they have none. They bring nothing to the table. They bring no international money. They bring hardly any American money, especially Andre, one of the most overpaid fighters in the sport, right up there with Devin Haney. Uh, Charlo and Benavidez bring a little bit, but not much. But who knows? Maybe in two years, those guys bring a little bit more to the table. You know what I'm saying? Um, so so I, I, that's why I think he's going to go in the direction he's going to go in because there's just no reason to jump into fights with those guys. The only reason he jumped into fights with Plant and all those guys is because he could unify that division. So there was a business model to it. But Charlo, Benavidez, they don't bring anything. So so why, why jump into that? Bevel and especially Golovkin, they bring something. Bevel has another belt at 75 and Golovkin is Golovkin. So... There's, you know, th- that's why you go to those fights now. All right, real quick, we got to jump to these calls real quick. Um, we got another UK caller. So let's get to uh, 777. You're on the show. How you doing, man, Mike? It's Nigel again from UK. Nigel, what's up, man? I'm all good, thank you, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Good, good, man. Um, I just wanted to uh, comment on the um, the Khan and the Brook fight that took place this weekend. Um, I am glad I did not buy it, hmm. having heard about the, the undercard and the whole um, Fraser Clark um, fight. Who I'm a fan of Fraser Clark, so I'm glad that he's um, turned over. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. good. I think he'll um, he'll be a, he'll be a good addition to the heavyweight division. I, I agree. Really think that. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and I wanted to uh, touch upon um, the Khan's and uh, well, more Khan's um, contribution to British boxing. You know, I agree with everything that you said with regards to 
what it said about him. I mean, it's like um, I put a comment in the in the comment section about the contribution that Amir and Audrey Harrison made to British yes. boxing and amateur sure. amateur scene as well. Because had it had had um, Audley, I mean, winning the gold, I think it was in Sydney, I believe it was at Super Heavy. That was a turning point for um, I felt for the, for the British amateur scene and British international amateur boxing, and then obviously um, Amir winning um, the silver against um, the great Mario Kinderland at age seventeen. That was huge, and I, I remember watching that fight and the rematch mm-hmm. before um, Khan turned over. So he, I mean, Khan's been a you know magnificent service for, uh, service for British boxing just on his achievements alone. I mean. A lot of people forget that he was a unified champion at one point. He beat some very, very, very good fighters yes. throughout the years, you know, despite his um, poor punch resistance. But there are many other great fighters of the modern era who had dodgy punch resistance, you know, to me. So I'm not going to hold that against him. And it's like, um, especially getting knocked out by Canelo, who outweighs him by about 20, 30 pounds on the night. Do you know what I mean? It's like Easily. getting sparked out by the big two. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I'm not going to hold that against them, yeah. But um, I do agree with the first caller in that um, both uh, Brooke and Khan should call it a day. There is nothing more to prove. You've uh, reached the pinnacle of the sport and becoming, you know, champions, uh, titleists, if you will. Do you know what I mean? It's like at this moment in time with Gotham Brooke, you could do one more fight, most definitely. Why not? You know, cash out and then call it a day. Um um, yeah, so I, I think you should do that for Brooke. But I think for Khan, just you got nothing more to prove, man. Enjoy yourself. Yes. You know, stay away from them laptops. By you know. Yes. Yeah. Don't post any yeah. more videos yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We don't need to see that, bro. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like I mean, there's, there's reality TV and there's like too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't need to see that. That was a little too much. But um, exactly. Yeah, um, but I do feel that um. Another thing as well, I don't know if you saw that, um, the tweet about it on um, the day after the um, the fight, about um, the Sowland brothers and uh, Eubank throwing down a challenge somewhat to uh, Brooke, which yeah, I saw ridiculous. that on Twitter, and I yeah. I don't I don't want to see that. I just don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. And for the and the thing is, it's what I was thinking about earlier today. It's like Chris Eubank has had one of the strangest fucking careers in professional yes. boxing. He's not really achieved anything, right? He's made millions. You know what I mean? He's had a financially successful career, shall we say? You know, he's been. It's like he won the interim WBA and the fucking IBO, which was on pay per view in the UK for some reason. Fuck knows why, but it was the last name, bro. Last name. Yes, indeed, indeed. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but um, definitely. But going back to back calm, um. His contribution um, to um, boxing should not be understated. And also, in the UK, one thing I've noticed since Amir Khan came on the scene, and with Nasser on this point as well, there are more and more Asian boxers coming through in the UK. More and more. More than I've ever seen before. True. So, um, so Amir Khan and um, Naz, you know, and, um, you know, have definitely had an effect on the community. Because I remember... When I first started training uh, boxing, when when now was popular, and like in gyms, you you didn't really see Asian kids in there, and mm. all of a sudden there was, two, you know, more and more started to filter through. So that's definitely 
um, I, I point to uh, um, I definitely give the, the credit to Nassim uh, Ahmed and to Amir Khan definitely for that. So, yeah, definitely. So, it's, it's, though he has said some and did some unsavory things, nonetheless, you can't understate his um, contribution without a shadow of a doubt, I feel. Yeah. I agree 100%. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's odd to me that he gets kind of disrespected over here. Yeah. The guy didn't have a really strong chin. Okay. For Mm -hmm. he accomplished a hell of a lot in the sport. And I just don't understand. I I, I think his impact will be seen for generations to come. You you mentioned Mm -hmm. the the fighters of, of, uh, you know, Asian background, like be the Pakistani or or whatever other country um, there in the UK coming up. There's a significant population Mm -hmm. there, especially in and around London. And you're going to see more and more of those fighters coming up. And I think that's a cool part yeah. about British boxing is you see fighters of Nigerian heritage, Jamaican heritage, uh, all these different parts of the world that grow up there in the UK, mm. you know, it's similar to the American boxing scene. And it, it goes in waves just like it does here. Yeah. So um, it, it yeah. just adds to the rich tradition. And the UK boxing scene is probably the healthiest scene on the earth right now. It, and just look yeah. at this weekend's fight between Khan and Brooke. And the business that did, man, that tells you everything you need yeah. to know. Exactly. When you're just looking at the videos of uh, the footage on the fight, so you see the entire stadium, every single seat was filled. Yes. Everyone was, it was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And like, you know, it was truly a sight to behold. And it's like more and more becoming a regular thing with the bigger fights over here as well. Yes. But granted, our fighters may, may have, you know, dropped off level-wise compared to the American fighters, or some certain American fighters, anyway, I must say, but um, like you say, the, 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 um, the fans over here are pretty much die-hard, you know, and the more important thing as well, when they do, and they, they travel for our, for the fighters, regardless of where True. it is, each and every time they travel, and rather than keep their fighters' favourite names in the mouth, they put their hands in the pocket. And that's where it matters. Doesn't matter how many times you go on Twitter and put a negative or a positive tweet. When it comes down to it, if you support the sport, if you support the fighter, you pay. Yes. You know? And um, depending on the event. Obviously, I didn't pay for this particular event. I didn't think it was worth it. Obviously, with the card and everything. But that's what you know, that's, I think that's a major difference with um, UK fans because there are certain fighters from certain demographics in the uh, US where they're like, well, these guys should be stars. And so, well, the numbers don't lie when it comes to the pay-per-view. The numbers don't lie. If they're that big, if they're that popular, why aren't you buying it? You know? You just, you just, you have such a, you have a much healthier scene over there because you don't have as many promoters. You have two major promoters over there. And, um, they they know how to build fighters up in that market, and you just don't get that here. These guys get a little bit of money, and then they just sit on their ass, and they want showcase yeah. fights. And again, it's it's about names, it's about personalities, it's about um, you know f- fans knowing who the fighters are. And again, in the case yeah. of Con Brook, a lot of sports fans in the UK know who those two guys are, and that's why oh, the fight yeah. sold. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely, and um, and and obviously, please don't let it um take my um. It's not like I'm having a go at the American fighters and American teams. It's just that there's uh, there's noticeable differences there. Of course, people, if if if, and if you want your favorite fighter or fighters or a certain stable to 
getting the recognition that you think that they deserve. They need to be in the ring regularly, and yep. it's not happening. You know what I mean? So, it's not happening. It's not happening on free TV. It's happening on pay per views of their shit, yeah. and uh, nobody's yeah. buying them. So mm, definitely, definitely. But um, there's one more question I wanted to um ask you um before I let you go there, Mike. Um, with regards to the um Triple G Maratha fight coming up, now um I would imagine that's going to do absolutely huge numbers in Japan, absolutely huge, yeah. and everything like that. But um. Do you think there is the likelihood for an upset, considering how long both fighters have been out? I mean, I think Morata's been out for what, two years now. You know what I mean? And yeah, the they've both been part in it, of course. Yeah. horribly inactive, and I think that there's probably going to be some sloppiness early on. Um, but mm. you mentioned the business; it's going to be the most profitable um, fight in J- Japanese boxing history. It, just like Cambosis yeah. Lomachenko will be the, the equivalent in Australia. Two, you're going to get yeah, two definitely. huge international fights this spring slash summer. Mm, definitely. And, um, I, I know I said one more thing, but just one more thing there, Mike. Um, I know you're probably already touching it in past shows and whatnot, but with regards to the U.S. boxing scene, what needs to change to get it more... Obviously, there's some really excellent fighters coming through. That and, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, but of these, you know, of these fights. But what needs to change, in your opinion, to you know, to, to like revive it somewhat? Because not revive it, but you know, it needs a. Yeah, it does need know, reviving. Need a, um, need I think yeah. the business model needs a complete overhaul over here. I, I look top to bottom. America still has the best fighters. I mean, if we have representation in every division in boxing, um, and yeah. we have a growing <clears throat> women's boxing scene here. And there are elements of the amateur scene that are growing, uh, even like masters and stuff like that, which which helps promote the sport, even white collar boxing and stuff like that's growing here. So mm. it's it's healthy in that regard. But these promoters do not work together and they overpay their fighters. And when you so so a guy like Devin Haney, prime example, and Demetrius Andre came on earlier, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They do not bring in even one million in revenue in terms of the subscribership yeah. they bring in, which is nothing to the zone. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. They don't bring 100 subscribers to the zone, neither of them. They don't bring anything. In, they, they sell a few thousand tickets at most. Neither one of them could sell out a, a real venue in their hometown. And I'm not saying this to put those guys down, but they're examples of guys that are paid three, $4 million a fight. In the case of Andre, he's paid that much. And Haney's paid like two or three million a fight. They don't bring anywhere near that money in. Because they're so grossly overpaid, that's the biggest reason they don't get fights. It, it's not because they're being avoided. If they brought a significant, you know, a fan base with them or something, they would get the fights. And it's 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 yeah. not demographics because every demographic of fighter here in America can get it done. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Kazakh, half Russian, quarter Korean people in America, but Gennady Golovkin became a very popular yeah. fighter. Deontay Wilder sold good pay-per-views. Um, there's fighters of every background here that can do it. You just have to get in the ring and you have to be exciting and you have to get people talking about you. And uh, guys like Andre and Haney haven't. And there's so many of these young guys like them that just won't fight the names. Um, and then you have someone like Tank Davis who is exciting, 
but he fights on pay-per-view against B-level opposition. They, they feed him a Mexican guy or a British guy to beat up on, a B-level guy, and he does it on pay-per-view and 80,000 people buy it. You know, it, if these guys are all fighting each other on Showtime, on Fox, on ESPN, DAZN, whatever it is, they would have fans, but they just don't. So until the, the fighters and the promoters start working together and fighting each other, it's just it's going to continue to get more and more streamlined. And that, that sucks. Minimized, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'll um, I'll let you go any calls, man. So, I'll, as always, uh, Mike, I uh, appreciate you taking the call. Man. Thanks so, a lot, uh, Bill. All right, man. Much, uh, take Th- care, man. Thanks, Thank Nigel. You. Have a good night, man. All right, let me uh, – I got a couple Super Chats here. Um, let me get to these, and then we can take one more call. Super Chat from J&M. Thank you. Thanks again, man. Uh, he says, Mike, I know you've seen Dimitra Bivol fight live. Yes, I have more than once. He says, uh, do you agree he beats Canelo? I think Dimitra Bivol is all wrong for Canelo too sharp, in my opinion. At one point, I thought so. At one point, I thought he could seriously challenge Canelo. I have recently changed my opinion on that, and there's a couple reasons why. I really like Canelo, Dimitri Bivol, that fight in May. I think that's a good fight, but Bivol has somewhat plateaued, backtracked, declined. I don't know what you want to say, uh, how you want to word it. Is he playing possum? Maybe. But the one thing about Bevel, and I've talked about this before, he 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 goes straight in and straight out, straight in and straight out. And uh, Canelo will be able to time that and loop shots over the top and catch him going out. Uh, I don't know if he'll catch him coming in because Bevel does keep his head off the line pretty well and work behind the jab. But when he bounces out, uh, I think that can, uh, Canelo could catch him. And when he comes in, he can be caught to the body. Canelo will take angles on him. And I actually, I'm starting to think that uh, Canelo, um, I'm starting to be, be very confident in a Canelo victory in that fight. Um, possible late stoppage for Canelo over Bevel, but definitely a decision win. And I like Bevel a lot, but he had a really good run there for a while. He's certainly done enough to earn the Canelo fight. But over the last couple of years, not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot. And I just, you know, how much is he prepared for this style? Uh, I don't know. Sam with another super chat. Thanks again, man. He says, uh, is the Beeble fight signed and where? It's not 100% signed yet, but I do expect it to happen. I believe actually the Beeble fights agreed and they're good. Beeble immediately pretty much agreed to all the terms because he's been calling out Canelo for years. I talked to Beeble two or three years ago. I actually, I was up there. Uh, in Chicago and um, <clears throat> talked to him and I, he he wanted Canelo then I'm trying to think of what year that was 2018 or some shit 2019 but um he definitely has wanted that fight agreed to everything I imagine that fight happens in like Vegas I don't know 100% yet it's the Golovkin fight they're still trying to get some details wrapped up but I still think that's the direction they're gonna go Sam with another super chat thanks again he said did you notice Mungia looks spent as he got the KO he looked tired and worn out. He did not make weight the right way. Um, he was able to do a few things to help himself out down there. I'm not going to talk too much about that, that he might not be able to do in a commission like California or Nevada. <laughs> but uh, he rehydrated, and he, uh, he had enough time to get the KO. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Um, but again, that, that's just going to cost him. 
is going to cost him big. All right, one more call, and it's from my man CJ. He always has great stuff to say. So let's listen to what he's got. CJ, what's up, man? How you doing? Montero, what's good, man? Uh, I got in on the show a little bit late, but, you know, I figure when I ended up looking at my call, I seen I hadn't actually got in since before the Thurman fight. So I know I'd have been on a super chat just like most of the other, you know, freaks that are in here. But I figured I had a little bit of time on the holidays to be able to actually call in. So I ain't going to keep you too long, but there are some things. You just brought up one of them. Uh, Jaime Mugia can end up being the best middleweight in the division, comma, if he gets all his fights in Mexico, because the fact that he made a big deal at the press conference with his interpreter about, you know, people might have thought I fainted or something at the weigh-in. No, no, I just was resting. Like, no strong body fighter lays down and looks like he's either half asleep or half dead after a weigh-in like that, unless something's yeah. really going on. Yeah, we don't want to get nobody in no trouble. But yes, in certain you know jurisdictions, you're allowed to be able to take a meal and yeah. be able to rehydrate. And come I, I, back in. There you go. You you said it, not me. All right, <laughs> you said it, not me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, and <laughs> hey, 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 I'll take the shot. You know, unintended. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the shot. No, it's. I mean, and the thing is, you want to see Mungia do something, man. I mean, this yeah. is this era. Things like yourself and Doug even brought up the prospect champion. We know that Mungia got the shot to be able to fight for the 54 belt when Ali shouldn't have necessarily had it either. And that kind of put him on a different track. But at this point now, here, you know, you've been number one in two different sanctioned bodies. And if there's each one of those bodies has some kind of funky, you know, spank to each one of them. But the thing that I do like about the BO is, and that kind of came off as a joke. I wouldn't mean that. Something that's <laughs> the BO though is that if you're, if you're a champion above or below the weight class, if you decide to go up or go down, you can end up becoming the number one mandatory. What's the point yes. of having that belt if you're not going to take that mandatory shot? And, you know, against even if it was against what it would have been boo-boo at that point when he had 160. All things fair, because of inactivity, you know, I wouldn't say that Mungia would have gotten blown out of that fight against boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to see Mungia fight somebody at this point. Uh, when I saw that I hadn't called just before the Thurman fight, I might be sadistic. But give me Keith Thurman versus Kell Brook loser retires match and put it on Fox because that, oddly enough, would be a fight that would probably get eyeballed and you could still do it as a pay-per-view over in England, be it on Sky Sports or Fox yeah. or whichever outlet they use over there. And it's, it's a good feeding ground because we got to look at the belts are going to be kind of tied up with these guys anyways because if it's an upset with Ugas over Spence, we know that Uncle Al is going to have a rematch clause took in for Spence to be able to run it back. And then even if Ugas you know, fights competitively and he puts some lumps on, on Spence, which is possible just because of his style, and Spence's inactivity is going to start to eventually bite him, even if he is training hard, you're not going to see Spence bounce right back and go fight anybody that's worked with them in the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. That's why they're getting him this fight in April to kind of give themselves a little bit of a buffer if he doesn't come back through clean. So, you know, why not put, you know, Thurman versus Kell Brook on, on, on a Fox card sometime in like that, that late summer, early fall. Both of them can talk it up a little bit, you know, chocolate brownies. And, and at the end of the days, for, for days on end on the press conferences, it could be a good look. Yeah. Damn, I didn't even think about that one. You're right, though. It would, it would do numbers. It absolutely would. And, you know, even though it's not the fight that we want to see coming up next week down in Diego, I wanted to see the Estrada Chocolatito uh, third fight. Uh, and, with, you know, we first 
was chatting about, I was willing to make the ride down to 15 to get down that way. Against Martinez, it still has some sizzle to it. Can we see what happened, like you guys talked about earlier, where you know the young gun ends up taking up the spot? I, I like the passion and you know that that switch hitting and all that that Martinez does, and you know he's an Eddie Reynoso trained fighter now, so that gives him a little bit of a bonus kick. But there's something special that we all have to remember when we're watching Chocolatito, and if he's making the weight the proper way and he doesn't drain himself out. I believe he's got enough gas to be able to get to the finish line. And yes, they're going to be in San Diego, so you can't say pure on home cooking. But I mm. still believe Chocolatito has one more good fight left in him. I don't think that he's going to have a letdown because he knew he wasn't getting Estrada because he can still get the Estrada fight and then go ahead and punch his ticket into the Hall of Fame. But I can't see Chocolatito going past more than two fights. But this one right here, I still think he can get this one through. Martinez is coming up in weight. And there's going to be a point because of how tight of a tactician Chocolatito is that in one of those exchanges where he's shifting, where Martinez is shifting from southpaw to southpaw to the right hand, he'll get caught with something. It may not make him fall, but it'll make him think mm-hmm. of how often he really wants to make that switch. And if he makes him lock in on one of those positions, he'll end up being in a tougher fight. He's not going to be able to just free flow it. And we want to see kind of how that plays out, at least I do, with how Chocolatito gets through that fight. Yeah, I can't and wait. The man. last thing I'll leave with, because I know that you've been running with a whole bunch of calls and you're doing a marathon Monday on the holiday. Regardless of how it plays out, you've got to give some credit to the way that Shakira Stevenson's been out there firing shots on you know, on the Twitter sphere against Oscar Valdez. Because it was a, you know, I go on Twitter occasionally now at this point. I don't keep it active on my phone, but when you want to get like that, the quote sources said that somebody did something, something, Coppinger. Um, <laughs> you go on to Twitter and you take a look. And there was a post that Oscar did, you know, just saying, you know, uh, basically the translation was like, you know, preparing, to, taking a reflection of the day, preparing with the coffee. And then Shakira came off the top rope talking about, you know, keep everything on the up and up champ. Make sure your coffee doesn't have that issue that you had with tea. And just knowing Damn. that he's going to put that out there. One, it's funny. But two, he's, he's making them accountable because, again, we, we're we in an era where we've got to think that those things could happen. Because we talked about, I think, when it was the uh, the Plant-Canelo fight, where you know sources had said that that fight was basically a, a done deal, and people in the industry knew that the fight was going to happen about a month before it got announced. But when did it get announced? Uh, right around seven weeks yep. before the actual fight. And yep. We tend to know what typically that seven-week window means. And yes. this fight here, it was on the, the signing table for months on end. Uncle Bob had already talked about he was going to do it. When it officially get announced, about seven weeks. And then you even saw the BC try to jump in and, and throw a little shield. Well, Valdez has been in the clean boxing program, which yourself so eloquently has put on multiple videos and even solo videos. They don't have the pure resources to truly test out enough times to make the efforts that they want for the clean boxing program to actually hit. Right. So take that for what it's worth, ladies and gentlemen. And one other thing I'll leave with is I feel bad for Brian Castano because it seems like the mechanism is trying to figure out a way to get that belt up off of him. That way they don't have to deal with the smoke that he brought to Charlo. Even if you do think Charlo can get the rematch done, that's a way easier fight for him if it's a Tim Zoo versus a Castano because Zoo is going to be good but Zoo hasn't gotten to that test point yet to where you really think that he can come through on the other side but that's all I got for you on this very video. true but besides 
all the other well wishes for everybody out there. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your week. Uh, we'll catch up somewhere along the line because we're finally getting into the fight season. And everybody be safe out there, whatever it is you're doing on your Monday. That's all I got for you, man. You take care of yourself, my dear. Great stuff, brother. You too, man. Good to hear from you. All right, now. All right. Later. Man, great stuff from CJ, as always. All right, guys. That's it. Almost two hours chock full of talk. And I think a good hour of it was phone calls. So um, good stuff as always, everybody. And uh, enjoy your week. Have a good, productive week. And we'll do it again Friday over on my channel, Montero Unboxing. All right, guys. That's it for this episode. 302 is in the books. Peace.